Father Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that, it is in, that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die. And the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters, over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and their pools of water, so that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. He lifted up the staff and he struck the water in the Nile and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, the, but the Egyptians, the magicians of, the Egypt, of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them. As the Lord had said, Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not even take this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. 
Hi everyone, um, I'm Felix, if in case we haven't met, and um, I'll be doing the next reading, Exodus chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague your country with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house, and into your bedroom, and onto your bed, and into the houses of your servants and your people, and into your ovens and kneading bowls. The frogs shall come upon you, and on your people, and on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make the frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts, and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you, and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses, and be left only in the Nile. And he said, Tomorrow. Moses said, Be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs, as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did, according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses and courtyards and fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. <coughs> All the dust of the earth became gnats in the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh. As he goes out to the water, say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me, or else you will not um, or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies will be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign will happen. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt there was ruined by the swarms of flies. 
Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It would not be right to do so, for the offerings we, are to, we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, for his, uh, from his servants and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by, letting, by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Morning, everyone. Our next reading is from Exodus chapter 9. The Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the lands of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came from upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself, and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put my hand out and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause a very heavy hail to fall, such as never been seen in, been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore, 
Send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter, for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff towards heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran, ran down from to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sent, sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the emma were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hand to the Lord. And the thunder and hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of, heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Um, I'm just going to read chapter 10 before Jared comes up and preaches. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into the country, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land, and they shall eat what is left to you after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on the earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? Moses said, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and herds. 
for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, The Lord be with you. If ever I let you and your little ones go, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go the men among you and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the, on all the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt, such a dense swarm of locusts as has never been seen before, nor ever will be ever again. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field, through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go um, with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to them, him, Get away from me, take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. Morning everyone, my name is Jared, I'm pastor here, it's great to have you here uh, with us. Uh, please join me as I pray. Father in heaven, uh, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving. You are great and glorious. And we thank you for how you show us this in Exodus and particularly as we've looked today in chapters 7 through 10. Lord, please help us to see your glory, to see you for who you are, to be in awe of who you are. And Lord, please uh, use that uh, to bring us to you, to trust you, uh, help us to, to know you more. And Lord, help us to be humble before you. And we pray these things for Jesus' glory. Amen. That's uh, definitely the longest reading, I'm pretty sure, the longest reading I've, I've ever had done before. And just want to say thanks to all of our readers and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, it's great, isn't it, to, to really imagine uh, what it was like being there, hearing all of these things happening. You can see how there's these patterns that emerge. Uh, if, if I'd preached each individual one, I may have preached a number of 
very similar sermons. And so uh, today we're going to be looking at those that, that sign that begins and, and also the first nine plagues. And I've given you a table, so hopefully you've got one of those. If not, maybe share with someone near you. And um, it's double-sided, so buckle up. Um, and basically, we're going to be looking at the different plagues, uh, but not only just looking at those different plagues, but looking at what this tells us primarily about God. The first question I've got for you is, have you ever thought about names, much about names, or maybe making a name for yourself? I remember when I was a kid thinking like, yeah, I would, I would like people to know my name, thinking like, you know, it would be cool to, to have a reputation, that kind of thing. Not a bad reputation, but a good one. Like, <laughs> uh, that, and we can, we can often think like that. Um, that and uh, that's, that's what actually the people in the Tower of Babel thought of. Um, and it, it, it actually stems from our pride. Um, but I want us to, to think about the idea of having a name that is known. There are names that are known all over the place, uh, whether it's uh, a name on a, on a logo, maybe it's a, it's a name of a friend that you have, maybe it's a name of someone famous. Names are significant because they tell us who the person is. It gives us an insight into that person's identity, who they are. And it also, uh, it, the, the, the fame of the name is something that's also significant there. I want us to just bear that in mind today because this whole section of Exodus is really about God's name. It's really all about God's personal name. Now, uh, there's in our Bibles, we have uh, the name uh, Yahweh written as L-O-R-D in capital letters, Lord. Um, so if you jump back with me to have another reading, uh, in, in chapter 5, um, when Moses first comes uh, to Pharaoh to ask for the people to, to be let go, um, one, of the, one of those times, he says uh, in verse uh, 1, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. And so that kind of question is in the background of this whole section of Exodus. Who is the Lord? Um, Pharaoh's like, I don't know who he is. Um, and Lord, we can often think of as like a title. Um, but here it's actually God's personal name, Yahweh. And so I'm going to use God's personal name uh, today in my sermon as a way to help us remember that we're actually talking about him. This is his name. This is not merely a title, but this is how he has revealed his very personal name to Moses and to us. And that, that starting section, Moses and Aaron are saying, let us go that we may serve Yahweh out in the wilderness. And Pharaoh is like, I don't know who Yahweh is. Get back to work. I'm not going to let you go. And this whole section then is Yahweh revealing himself, not only to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but also to his own people. We see Yahweh make himself known to the Egyptians through great acts of judgment. And we also see Yahweh make himself known to his own people that they will look back at these events again and again and again and be reminded of the great and glorious power and might of Yahweh. So today, we work our way through these different sections of the plagues. That staff to serpent one that comes up first in chapter seven is, is a sign um, that usually isn't, isn't counted in the list of plagues, but it's significant 
and it sort of forms a bit of a framework for what a lot of the other plagues end up looking like. So if you if you look at your table, we've got the sign of the plague, the left-hand side, the magicians, the idols exposed, the uniqueness of Yahweh, Pharaoh's heart, what happens there, and Yahweh's word. And as you look at this, you will see a lot of patterns, like the final column, for example, is everything happens as Yahweh said it would happen. So it's just the same in that final, final column. Uh, but the first uh, one that I want us to think about is the magicians. Now, God uh, has, has the ultimate rule. Yahweh has the ultimate rule. Um, but evil is real. And, and there are magicians in this story, these evil sorcerers, who do evil things uh, that, that enable them to do certain kinds of miraculous things. But their power is limited, and it's only insofar as Yahweh permits them to do things. And if you notice, Yahweh always makes a distinction between what they do and what he does. So if you, if you take, for example, the staff to the serpent, uh, Aaron's staff becomes a serpent. Uh, the magicians, their staffs become serpents. They're all moving around as snakes. Then Aaron's staff swallows up all of the other staffs. And it's clear that Yahweh is the one who's in control. Not only does that expose the magician, it exposes uh, one of the idols that, that, that was worshipped uh, by the people of Egypt. Now, I want us to realize uh, that this, the, this passage doesn't actually mention any of the idols' names. Did you notice that? So there are all of these kind of idols in Egypt that people were worshipping at the time um, that had many different names, they had many different things that they worshipped that they claimed did things like ruled over the sun or, you know, one looked like a frog. And God, in his word, doesn't tell us their names. Um, why? That's kind of the point. Their, 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 their names are uh, of, no, of no importance at all. Yahweh's name is the name that matters. And so uh, I've, I've got them listed here just to kind of show you these are the kinds of idols that the people of Egypt worshipped that are discredited by what Yahweh is doing here. So um, I've got an illustration for you of, of, I want us to think about magicians, idols, and Pharaoh all together because they're kind of related. Uh, my brother and I went to a Christian camp um, when I was, I don't know, 13. And um, we, were, we were at this, it was like a week-long camp. And um, there was this shower block. And I think there were three showers in the shower block. And uh, the final shower did, had a door that wouldn't lock. Um, and so we came up with this really smart idea um, that like one of us would hold the door for the other one and then one of us could shower and then, you know, you get finished and then we, we had a knock on the door so you'd go like this and then, and then the other person would open the door and then you could go in and have a shower and you wouldn't have to wait hours to get a shower because you're helping one another out. Um, so I went in first and uh, I was having my shower. Someone else knocked. <laughs> My brother opened the door. Uh, I had the most awkward eye contact of my entire life <laughs> with someone who wasn't my brother. <laughs> he quickly shut the door and I felt entirely exposed. I felt completely exposed. I was like, I, I was, you know, what am I going to do? How, can I ever leave this room? What happens if I go out and the person's there, if I see them again? You know, there's thousands of people here. Maybe they won't recognize me. I was just like, oh, no. My life is over. I felt so exposed, just like uh, like I had nothing covering me. I had no way of no way of of covering up who I was. I was just exposed. Now, uh, 
Why am I telling you that? <laughs> I'm telling you that because uh, the magicians, the idols, and Pharaoh all find themselves exposed in, in the accounts of the plagues. They all find themselves uh, exposed for who they are. They, they're the, the magicians, as these evil sorcerers who can do a few things that God permits them to do, but can't do what God can, can do ultimately. We have the idols who these people worshipped, but are nowhere to be seen. Absolute crickets from them. And some of them even look like crickets. <laughs> and, and then Pharaoh, who, who is there supposed to be the ultimate ruler of the world's ultimate superpower at that time, Egypt. And he is, he is powerless in comparison to Yahweh. And he is exposed for his own hardness of heart. So with that in mind, uh, we've got the magicians, the idols, and the pharaohs all getting exposed. So the idol in the staff to serpent one uh, that, that would have been worshipped by the people of Egypt was uh, an idol called Amon Ra, um, which is kind of like a, they believe to be a sun uh, god, in inverted commas. Um, and one of the, the hymns that they had to this idol called him the chief, the creator of the staff of life. Now, that's very interesting because throughout the section of Exodus, God works powerfully, Yahweh works powerfully through the staff that he's given for them, for Moses and Aaron to use. And even in this first miracle here where the staffs of, of, of the Egyptians are swallowed up by Yahweh's staff shows that actually even their chief idol has nothing on Yahweh. He, he is, he's nothing. He, he, he can't do anything. What, what, what shame that would be for this being that they're, that they're worshipping that doesn't exist. Um, and it's just God proving again and again that that's the case. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Um, and, and, and we see this, this happen uh, throughout this passage. Pharaoh hardens his heart and Yahweh hardens Pharaoh's heart. And it happens exactly as Yahweh said. Let's work our way through the other ones. So, number one, the water of the Nile turned to blood. The magicians also did it. Um, and this discredits a, a ram thing that they worshipped called Knum, uh, which was believed to be the guardian of the river's source. What a great guardian he is if Yahweh can turn the whole thing to blood. Um, and then that again happens according to Yahweh's word, not according uh, to what the magicians uh, said. No, it happens according to what Yahweh said. Pharaoh's heart remains hardened. We get frogs coming up on the land. Magicians also doing that. There's a frog that they worshipped, could do nothing. Um, also note that it's only Yahweh who removes the frogs. The other um, magicians, are, the magicians are able to get the frogs to come up on the land, but they can't get the frogs to go away. Only Yahweh can do that. Again, he's, he's showing who he is. Three, the gnats are made from dust of the earth. And the magicians this time, they couldn't do it. And they say, this is the finger of God. Even they recognized that actually, no, nope, we can't do this. This is God. Uh, this is not us. Um, and they, they had an idol that they worshipped that was all about the earth, discredited. Uh, only Yahweh could do this creative action of, of making gnats um, from dust, which is exactly what God does. He's, he makes things, um, you know, like when he made uh, humans, for example, uh, he breathed life into the dust. Pharaoh's heart again hardened, wouldn't listen, as Yahweh said. There are swarms that come up on the land. There could be all kinds of bugs. Um, the, the magicians aren't even mentioned. Uh, there's, a, there's a beetle thing that they worshipped in Egypt that was believed to be able to make something from nothing. 
But again, that's only Yahweh who can make something from nothing. Only he is the ultimate one. Only he is the creator. And so again, this idol Kepri is discredited. Pharaoh tries to negotiate. He's like, well, why don't you sacrifice within the land? I remember Pharaoh's been in the past. We've seen Pharaohs be scared of the, the Israelites because they've seen how uh, they, they just seem to multiply. Whenever they clamp down on them, uh, these people seem to be a threat. And so Pharaoh's trying to clamp down again. Moses is, says, no, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do that. And so Pharaoh asks for Moses to plead with them, plead with the Lord, sorry, um, to plead with Yahweh. Ask Yahweh to, uh, to take the swarms away, Moses. Um, but, then, but then Yahweh does that, um, but, he, but he hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardens his heart and d- doesn't let the people go. Then we see the livestock. All of the livestock of Egypt that's out in the fields die, uh, but, but the livestock of, of Israel is preserved. The magicians, again, not mentioned. There are various idols that Egypt worship based on all kinds of livestock animals, discredited. Um, and only Yahweh was the one who killed the livestock. Um, and Yahweh made a distinction there between Egypt and Israel. Pharaoh's heart again hardened. We see soot becoming fine dust, becoming boils upon all of the Egyptians. Uh, notice what happens to the magicians. They get the boils too. And so they're, 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 they're shown to be uh, no, no, no greater than the rest of the Egyptians. They're under the authority of Yahweh who brings this judgment on them too. Uh, they had other idols relating to illnesses and so on. Only Yahweh makes the boils. Yahweh makes a distinction. Pharaoh hardens his heart, as Yahweh said. Then we've got the deadly hail on the other page and fire flashing on all Egypt's fields. Who remembers the hailstorm in Perth? Anyone? Yeah. Um, I don't think there was any fire flashing down <laughs> between the hail. Um, but when, when you think about uh, the hailstorm, I don't know if you remember, but people would be like, oh, you know, look for a car that's got the dents in it because then you get a good discount or you could at least try and get a good discount. Um, this was deadly hail that just killed everyone. So um, this, is, this is like next level hail, like a hail that's never been seen um, before or again. It's, and it's got fire in there. So this is, uh, this is really uh, amazing display of, of Yahweh's strength and judgment. Uh, again, there's a distinction between uh, Israel and Egypt, the Lord protects, Yahweh protects his people. Pharaoh continues to exalt himself against the Israelites, sins again, hardens his heart, doesn't let the people go, just as Yahweh spoken through Moses. The locusts, the magicians are not mentioned again. They're just out of the picture. Um, there are idols, Osiris and Isis related to agriculture. They're not mentioned because they can't do anything. Uh, Yahweh alone brought the locusts and he alone removed them. Pharaoh asks for forgiveness. You know, so you say, oh, I've, I've sinned, you know, please, I need forgiveness. But he's insincere. He, he's, he's trying to do what's uh, like politically expedient for him. He, he just, he wants things to, to go well for him. He doesn't actually want uh, reconciliation with Yahweh. And Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's hearts to show Yahweh's signs uh, that they may know he is Yahweh. So Yahweh is hardening Pharaoh to make known who Yahweh is. That's how you're going to know who he is, by seeing these signs that Yahweh is performing. And then we get the darkness, uh, that there's these sun idols, like I mentioned, and they can't do anything to stop the three days of darkness that Yahweh sends over that whole area. He alone brings it, he alone uh, rules over it. The sun and the moon are not gods, 
They're creations of Yahweh that he spoke into being and that he rules over. And once again, Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, would not let the people go. And that happens as Yahweh said. We're not going to touch uh, uh, Plague 10 yet because we'll look at that next week. But keep these things in mind as we've seen the awesome demonstration of Yahweh's glory and power. That's, That's the thing that blows us away from reading these chapters is who this God really is and what he is capable of. You see, all of these uh, things that the, the people of Egypt had, all of these idols, all of these magicians, all of these pharaohs can do nothing, uh, that, that they can do nothing to stop Yahweh. And none of us can do anything to stop Yahweh. You see, he is awesome and glorious. He is the creator of everything. He spoke this entire world into being and he rules over it, over every atom, over every galaxy. He made it. It's his. He rules it. There is no other God. There is Yahweh alone. And so all of these things that are being worshipped here by the Egyptians find themselves completely exposed. They find themselves uh, completely shown to be the nothing that they are. They have no power. They have no rule. Only Yahweh is the ultimate one. Only he is the creator. Only he is the ruler. Now, the magicians as well, we've seen that they had some power to do certain signs and things, but that was ruled over by Yahweh. And we see that he used that for his own purposes. We see how he uses that and and we see how Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Pharaoh looks at these things that Yahweh's doing. He looks at these things the magicians are doing and he thinks, well, the magicians are doing the same thing as Yahweh. And so you can see even the magician's evil purpose um, is, is, is only done under the ultimate sovereignty of Yahweh himself, who has planned these things to bring his end purpose in mind. Pharaoh's heart we see here is hardened. The Lord says before this all takes place, back in chapter 7, in verse 3, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. And if you look at the whole of these different plagues, you see it happen again and again and again, and it happens exactly as Yahweh had said. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. You know, Pharaoh hardens his own heart doesn't he? We, see, we, see, we read that, Pharaoh hardened his heart. We also read that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. We read that Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did that to make his name known. Because Pharaoh, as the leader of the superpower of Egypt, not letting the people of Israel go, means that Yahweh can continue to bring plague after plague after plague to demonstrate his glory. That's what's happening there. Yahweh bringing plague after plague after plague, Pharaoh not letting the people go, and Yahweh demonstrating his ultimate glory. Now, uh, I used a compactor for the first time recently, which is pretty cool. Joe Wilmer showed me how to use it. I wasn't very good at it, but um, the, it's, a, it's a pretty cool tool. It sounds like a, like a lawnmower on steroids, and, um, and it, it's got this flat bit underneath that you can use to flatten ground. Now, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, sort of like a compactor hardens things. He, he was hardened in that he wasn't, he wasn't going to listen. He wasn't going to be responsive to, to, to what, what God was saying. What Yahweh said, Pharaoh didn't listen to. 
That's, that's kind of what we see when he hardens his heart. That's, that's the continual thing, is that he's not listening to Yahweh. And we see that this is, this is a lot like what's described in Romans 1, where God hands people over to their own sinfulness. If people continue in their rebellion against God, and they continue to persevere in that rebellion, God hands them over to it. He, 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 the only reason that, that none of us are the, the worst of the worst evil, like all of us are evil. I mean, the only reason that, that we aren't murdering one another and all of those sorts of things is by God's grace. It's, it's, not, it's not because we're good. It's because of God's grace. And so we see here, God is removing his hand of holding Pharaoh back from his evil. And he's letting Pharaoh go further and further into his evil. And God is hardening his heart to make Yahweh's name known. And then we see with Yahweh's word, I want us to think about what, uh, we have someone who, when we know people, people say things, right? Um, and so when, when people say things, there's, there's often different ways that you can kind of get to know what people are, what people are talking about. So one, one type of person who may talk to you is the kind of boy who cried wolf kind of person, where, um, for those of you who don't know the illustration, um, there's, a, there's a boy who's mucking around and he's crying, there's a wolf, come to get me, there's a wolf, come to get me. And, and then people go out and check, oh no, there's no wolf. And then he cries again, there's a wolf, there's a wolf. Someone goes to check, there's no wolf. And there is a wolf and then he cries, there's a wolf, there's a wolf and no one goes because they think, well, you know, he's just being stupid. You see people like that where sometimes people, you know, making, tell lies, right? We, we come across people who use words in ways that are lying. They're not telling the truth. And then we doubt the truthfulness of their words. Do you see that? That's, that's the example of the boy who cried wolf. The second example that I want to give you is the kind of person who means well. You know, like the, the, the person who says, I'll pick you up at seven. And then they get there at 10. <laughs> um, or, or, or the person who's, who says, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you for coffee at this place. They mean well. You believe that they sincerely intended to do that. But then they're not there. And they're not there again, and they're not there again. And, and you just realize, okay, because although they mean well, they, they, they don't have everything all organized, and so they are unable to, to do what they say they're going to do, even though they're sincere. You see, Yahweh is, 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 is a different thing to both of those things in, in, in the way that he, he uses his word. Yahweh, he uses his word in a way that is always trustworthy. And, and how? Because unlike the boy who cried wolf, Yahweh never lies. He never lies. He always tells the truth. He is himself truth. And when he speaks, it is truth. And so he never tells a lie. And so we can trust his word. But not only is everything he says true, he is sovereign. And so he rules over everything. So there's no situation where he's going to say something and then he's unable to come through on it. No, he has the whole world in his hands. He rules over everything and he brings everything to his planned, purposed end. And so Yahweh is both trustworthy and sovereign. He is good and sovereign. We can believe him because he always speaks the truth and we can believe him because he's always powerful to bring what he has planned to come to pass. And so when we read uh, these, these truths, we are confronted with the reality of who Yahweh is. He is glorious. Uh, we, we may try to tame God and, and maybe think of him as, as, as someone who, who is not the ultimate 
fierce, powerful ruler that he is. But no, he is, he is awesome. He is glorious. He rules over all things. And he is loving and kind. Because you see all of these things happening and it's, it's all being done to rescue his people. Do you see that? He says in, in verse 4 of that chapter 7, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. Do you see there? God's purpose of saving his people underlies why he's doing all of this. Isn't that beautiful? You see, this great and glorious and awesome God has this motivation of rescuing his people from the slavery that they're under. And that's who God is. You know, the, the, the God who saves, the God who rules, the God who reigns, the God who loves. You see, we spoke a bit about uh, names earlier and thinking a name for yourself and that kind of thing. Um, you see, our names don't matter. They're, they're, I mean, you know, they're helpful for identifying one another. But, but the, the ultimate, the only name that ultimately matters is Yahweh's name. Now, interestingly, when Jesus comes in the New Testament, we're told that he's given the name above every name. You know, Jesus has the name above every name. We praise Jesus, who is Yahweh incarnate, who has come to this earth to rescue us. And, you know, just like here, where we have the Egyptians who, by the end of this, reach the inescapable conclusion that, look, you know, Egypt's ruined. Yahweh has done all of this. This is what's happened. There will come a day where every knee will bow from every person without exception to Jesus Christ and call him Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming. The question is whether we bow to him now before it's too late or whether we bow to him when it is too late. We need to come to Jesus now. We need to, to, to know Yahweh, know his glory, know his power, know his might and his love, but not only know that he has done those things and that he rules and all of that, but know him. We need to know Yahweh. We need to have a personal relationship with him. We need to know him because at the end, when Jesus judges in righteousness over this whole world, the only way that any of us will stand right before the perfect and holy God is if we're standing in Christ himself. Not exposed in our sin, but standing clothed in Christ's righteousness. That's what we all need, each and every one of us. You see, it doesn't take long for us to, to realize when we honestly and truthfully examine our hearts that we, that we stumble, that we, that we don't live perfect lives, that we, that we don't have the kind of compassion that Jesus had, that we don't match the perfection that he showed. We, we, we get angry and frustrated in ways that aren't right. We feel feelings that, that aren't right. We, 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 want, uh, we want things that are not right for us to have, or we want them in the ways that are not right for us to have. We don't want what God says we ought to have, and we want what God doesn't, want, doesn't say that we should have in ways that we want it. We've got all of these things backwards and messed up. And when we see all of that, we realize that we, by nature, are like the Egyptians standing exposed before God. And our only hope is to stand clothed in Christ's righteousness. So that when Yahweh sees us, 
He sees the righteousness and the perfection of Christ Jesus. And when you have that, when you have that relationship with him and you have that confidence in Jesus Christ, then you have true and lasting peace and joy and you can truly say, praise Yahweh, the one who looks upon our affliction and is not, uh, in, in, not insensitive to that, but sees it and remembers his covenant promises and acts faithfully to rescue us and make us his. That's what our great God is like. When we read Exodus, we're just blown away by his might. And we are also blown away by his love. Do you know Yahweh? Do you know him? Do you realize that all of these idols and all of these things in our world, all of these things that we do ourselves that are taking us away from him, stand exposed before him? Our only hope is in him, in Jesus. In Jesus who went to the cross to take on our sin, that in turn he may give us his righteousness. We each and every one of us need to know that hope. And we need to trust in him before it's too late. Will you join me as we pray? Yahweh, we come before you with praise. You are the almighty one. We thank you that you are God most high. That you rule over this world that you created. That it all belongs to you. That you are the only God and the only Savior. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we come before you, Lord acknowledging that we stand exposed by ourselves. We stand exposed, but we come to you and we turn away from our sin and we put our trust in you, Jesus. We trust in your finished work on the cross that paid our debt in full. And we trust that you have clothed us with your righteousness, that we no longer stand exposed, but we are able to stand blameless and holy before you, the one true holy God. Lord, we pray that you would help us to always be in awe at who you are and what you've done, in awe at your might and in awe of your love, that you would set your love on people like us who don't deserve it, but you have graciously set your love on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yahweh. Be with us now, we pray. Fix our eyes on you. And as we go from this place, Lord, help us to live a life of pursuing the relationship with you that you so graciously offer us. Help us, Lord, to, to want to know you more. Lord, help us to get stuck into your word that you've given us. Help us to remember that you are always trustworthy and that you alone are God and Saviour. We praise you, Yahweh, in Jesus' name. Amen.